car repair, the nightmare of the Western world. You don't know the difference between the catalytic converter and the powertrain, the carburetor and the camshaft. You've been ripped off endlessly by unscrupulous mechanics who've charged hundreds or thousands of dollars. You're sick of feeling like a complete idiot, and you just don't want to take it or pay for it anymore. Well, your life's about to change. Meet Pam Oaks, ASE certified and top-notch auto technician host, shop owner, and author of Car Care for the Clueless, or How to Make Money While Maintaining a Vehicle. She'll answer your questions and teach you how to talk car talk. Get under the hood right now with Pam. And here's some more auto news the consumer can use. Welcome to another episode, Car Care for the Clueless. I'm your host, ASE Automotive Professional Pam Oaks. And starting off this week's edition, if you own a Ford F-150, listen up. The Dearborn-based manufacturer is recalling nearly 1.5 million pickup trucks due to a transmission issue. The light-duty trucks can unexpectedly downshift in the first year. The NHTSA recall covers 2011 through 2013 model years with a six-speed automatic transmission. According to Ford, the vehicle speed sensor communication is the root of the problem. Starting March 4th, the manufacturer will update its software to correct the problem. There's been five accident reports so far, including one with an injury that stems from this issue. The F-150 has been the top-selling overall vehicle for decades. Last year, it almost surpassed its 2004 record by selling 900,000 trucks, according to Fox News Service. And you know, while you're waiting for that update, expect a longer wait at the repair shop. The auto tech shortage is looking to get even worse. Dealerships, independents are not the only ones losing master techs due to retirement, but younger replacements are not staying in the industry due to the low paying conditions. And those mom and pop shops, the dealerships, depending upon the newbies to fill the void, are seeing disappointing replacement numbers. Pay, conditions, benefits are big reasons why the new tech is leaving for big money paychecks in the advanced driver assist systems, electric vehicles, and autonomous vehicles as they become even more valuable to other industries also facing a shortage of highly trained technicians. A dealership survey of more than 35,000 auto techs show that more than 33% plan to leave their jobs within three years, according to Carlisle and Company. Industries poaching techs include the worlds of heavy equipment, heavy-duty diesel, railroads, aerospace, just to name a few. The automotive industry will have to hire more than 20 to 25,000 technicians each year to absorb these shortfalls starting now. And speaking of automotive centers, tis the season to buy out the mom-and-pop shops. ICANN Automotive Group just purchased Jacksonville, Florida-based RPM Automotive, a 10-store chain, while Monroe Group recently acquired the 13-store Rick Johnson chain in Naples, Florida. The new corporate stores will retain their original names for the present time. And it comes at a time when automotive repair shops have risen back to their pre-2006 numbers. Approximately 229,000 repair facilities were operational by the end of December 2018, 
coming back from that 221,000 repair shop deficit at the end of 2011. So we're seeing more repair shops, yet less technicians. It's going to be pretty interesting when we're going to be waiting two, three, four hours for an oil change that should take a half hour, 45 minutes. You know, we all like to connect to things, but here's another reason not to connect your smartphone with your vehicle. You know, when it comes to cybersecurity, most of us have the mindset that it's not going to happen to me. But more than 34% of smartphone users don't even lock their device, meaning when you go to open it up, you don't press a four or six pin key code to unlock that device. You know, coupled with that, more than 84% of the automotive manufacturer professionals polled are concerned that their company's auto cybersecurity is not keeping pace with the technology. Phenom Institute said that 30% do not have an established team, while 63% test less than half of their tech for security issues. This includes infotainment systems, telematics, steering systems, camera, SoCal-based components, driverless and autonomous vehicles, the radio frequency RF technologies such as Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, among other things. Other important key findings from the survey highlighted that more than 50% say their company doesn't budget enough for cybersecurity. Another 62% say they don't possess the necessary cybersecurity skills in product development. Another 71% said they put product deadline above security. And only 33, just 33% guys, educate their developers on secure coding methods. So there's a big hole for any cybersecurity, any hacker to get into your vehicle. Only 44% say their organizations impose cybersecurity requirements for products provided by upstream suppliers. There's a huge void here, guys, that anybody can hack into your phone and you can infect your vehicle. The key is to keep your phone security up to date so you do not infect your vehicle. It's a two-way bi-directional communication going on there, apps, etc., etc. The key to this is to make sure your smartphone is always up to date with the security measures required by the manufacturer or Microsoft or Apple. And now going to the meat and potatoes of Car Care for the Clueless. We are going to be talking about the 10 consumer car care practices you need to stop or maybe start doing real simple ideas that you haven't thought about twice, but we want you to. And along for the ride is ASC Automotive Professional Peter Sudak. Welcome, Peter. Hey, Pam. How's it going? Good. Okay, number one on our list, tire max pressure versus the tire sticker. Yeah, we've seen a lot of people that go by what's on the sidewall <laughs> yes, sure instead have. of what's supposed to be in there and, and we've always had to correct it and they're well, overinflated aren't they oh yes they are yes so this tire max pressure on the sidewall of the tire is there for what reason well that particular tire can fit several different vehicles and different tire pressure requirements and the tire sticker is for the individual vehicle and it's located inside the door jam on the driver's door 
So you always go off of that for the optimum MPG on your vehicle, how it brakes, how it steers. That's what the vehicle is, isn't it? Right, that's what the vehicle is designed for. So that's the pressure you need to keep in that particular one. We've seen a lot of times at the shop that people would sit there and say, oh, but the sidewall of the tire says. <laughs> <laughs> so don't go off that sidewall, guys and girls. You need to go off of the driver's door jam sticker. Number two, using premium fuel versus regular in vehicles that do not require premium fuel. That's right. For the most part, if look in your owner's manual, and if it doesn't require the 92 or 93 octane, you're just wasting your money. It's not going to help at all. That's very true. But you know how you could actually improve your MPG? Using top-tier fuel. How many times have we talked about top-tier fuel manufactured by petroleum companies who are adhered to the strict, stringent requirements from the original six GM, Toyota, Honda, VW, BMW, and Audi. Keeps the fuel economy up, keeps everything running cleaner, and that doesn't mean that you're using the high octane, does it, Peter? No, because my truck only takes 87. That's all I put in there, but I use the top tier fuel. Never had a fuel-related problem with any vehicle I've ever had. Keeps it clean, keeps it running long, keeps it running strong. And remember, it's across all the octane grades. It is not premium only. It's about the quality of the fuel, not the octane. Number three, brake pad depth in 30 seconds of an inch versus a percentage. How many times have we seen this, Peter? People come in and say, oh, the other shop said I had 10% remaining on my brakes. Well, my 10% of a shot class is a lot different than your 10% of a shot class. That's true. And Depends on the size of the shot glass. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, it needs to be measured with a brake depth gauge and how many 36ths of an inch are left. Percentages can vary from person to person on visual. And if it's uh, depending upon the quality of the pad, the pad can be a little thinner than others. Right, like fronts versus rears. There you go. And um, the composite, if it's a ceramic versus a semi-metallic, yep. it's going to be different. Very different. So it's always in 30 seconds of an inch, and at 3.30 seconds, we definitely want you to be considering changing those brake pads out. Yep. Otherwise, you're going to end up going metal to metal if you let it go too far. Then it's really going to cost you some money. On the back, we want you to be budgeting for it, but get it done as soon as you can. Yep, that'd be the ideal way to do it. Fronts will probably be the first ones you'll have to do. How many times have you seen someone washing their vehicle with dishwashing detergent? Not that I have, but no, it doesn't work very well. No, it doesn't. And it's really, really bad for the protective coating, that wax on your paint, isn't it? Use dish soap and takes it right off. Sure does, doesn't it? And that's why we want you to go towards those products that you see even at the grocery store those car wash products that tell you that it's going to enhance the shine etc etc well it may or may not depending upon the product but it will definitely not strip the wax off that's true it'll help protect the paint and not do any damage to it as well number five on our list running with the check engine light on or actually no. you wouldn't would you no <laughs> You probably won't be running with the check engine light on for long. Yeah, tends, tends what it is. 
There's a reason why it comes on. There are hundreds of reasons why it can come on. And for a tech to tell you that, oh, it's okay, don't worry about it, you need to find another tech. Another shop. Yeah, pretty much. Shop. Yes, definitely. Don't run with the check engine light on. Another thing that we would see is using the trunk as a storage unit. Seriously. Yeah, that just promotes clutter and it will cut down on your miles per gallon too because that added weight. That's true. And plus, if you do need to get that spare out because you've had a tire issue, you're going to be unloading that entire trunk on the side of the road just to get to the spare. Yeah. It's going to maybe make a mess. You're going to throw all your stuff in the dirt on the side of the road and it could work. Don't use your trunk as a storage unit. Use a storage unit for a storage unit. Additives. How many times we've seen all these additives at these parts stores, at the grocery store, etc., etc. This is the next best thing to slice bread, basically. Yeah, I've seen that a lot throughout the years. Yes, and even we're finding now the dealerships and the aftermarket shops are starting to push some of these additives. And the manufacturers, and I don't know one that doesn't say this, but the manufacturers state that if it doesn't have the manufacturer label on the bottle, don't put it in your car. They know what's best. That's correct. For General Motors cars, any AC Delco brand additive would be okay, but any off-brand that doesn't have their label on there, don't put it in there. Exactly. So you want to be with your manufacturer. Correct, yes. GM the GM car, Mopar the Dodge Chrysler car, etc., etc., etc. Number eight, basic maintenance. This is something that's kind of ticklish because there's a severe duty and a normal duty category. And the severe duty category is... A lot of stop and go traffic, city streets, not so much highway. And that puts a lot more strain going up and down hills. Yeah, like towing a trailer or a boat. Yeah, or like towing that. as yeah. well, too. Yeah. It'd be severe duty. Now, normal duty, you'd be going in one direction more than 10 miles. Right. No rush hour traffic. Yeah. More so highway driving at a steady speed versus up and down, up and down, and having to stop a lot. Exactly. Get with your tech, get with your shop, find out which category your vehicle falls into. And then go off of the manufacturer's schedule, not the shop schedule, not the dealership schedule, but the manufacturer schedule. And you can either get that through your shop, or you can get it online, or you can get it through your uh, manual, which is now yeah. online, or in your glove box. Yeah, it should, be. It should be in box. the back there, yeah. Yeah. So you've done everything you're supposed to do, but you get this little card in the mail, and it's for a recall. So what do you do at that point? Well, you call your dealership, depending on make and model of the car, and verify that you do have a recall. If you do, it needs to be taken care of as soon as possible. There's a reason, and don't throw it away. No. Nope. How many times we've said, oh, I didn't need that. Yeah, that's not for my car. If you got the card in the mail, it could be. Yes. They'll take it for granted, call the dealership, and find out for certain because they'll run your VIN number and it'll be VIN specific as to what it what it'll be. And if you want to know if your vehicle's under recall now, even though you haven't gotten a card or you're the third, fourth, fifth owner, go to safercar.org. Safercar.org. Put your vehicle identification number in it and it will pull up any recalls 
that pertain to your vehicle. That's a good place to go. That's good. It's a good website. You know, last but not least, number ten. You go into the shop. You have an issue. It's a noise issue. It's a smell issue. It's a. It's an issue with your vehicle, a drivability issue, and to make the long story short, you can't recreate it for the tech. You just want to bang your head against the steering wheel. What can we do to help the tech find our issue? Well, just try and make mental notes of when it's doing it and then document it on a sheet of paper of some sort to help them out so then it'll help them recreate the noise or try and recreate it when it's doing it. Like if it's hot out, it's cold, you just started the vehicle, the vehicle's been running for a while, it's while you make a right-hand turn, it's while you go for a bump, etc. Right. Yeah, make, make specific as you can as to when the noise or clunk or what have you is doing it and then relay that to the technician to help them out so they can diagnose it. Well, thank you, Peter. This has been fun. Yes, it has. Good talking with you again. Same here. And it's time to reach into our car care for the clueless mailbag and answer a listener's question. Sandy from Mesa, Arizona writes, I had my battery replaced and the terminal ends. The tech said I needed to replace the battery cable eventually. Do I really need to do this? Yes, Sandy, you really need to do this. With all the electrical electronic control components on the vehicle, you need to make sure that you don't have any power or ground issues. Power and ground is key to keeping your car running properly. And how do we do that? We do that by having the original equipment parts on our cars or trucks. There are no splits. Nobody has cut into them to have them temporarily hook up to the battery. You need to have this all intact because after a while, and we've all seen it on pictures, we've seen it at the shops, you guys have seen it on your own cars and trucks, where you'll start getting that white powdery and then I'll start kind of turning green on top of the battery where the battery's starting to break down and you get that corrosion. That corrosion actually will stop a ground or power. It will create what they call a voltage drop and it will deny power to components. So you need to make sure that you have the original positive and negative battery cables, the OE. You need to make sure you have the OE positive and negative battery cables on your vehicle. So listen to your tech. He's telling you right. And that about wraps up this week's automotive news the consumer can use a car care for the clueless. Subject matter sources on this week's episode includes NHTSA, Automotive News, Bureau of Labor Statistics, Tire Business Synopsis, Consumer Reports, Tire Review Magazine, and a special thank you to Tire Expert, Tire Manager, and ASC Professional Peter Sudak. Want to learn more? Visit me at carcareforthecluelist.com to become a savvy car consumer. And until next week, lesson learned. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to come back next week for another edition of Car Care for the Clueless. And don't forget to look for Pam's book, Car Care for the Clueless, or How to Make Money While Maintaining a Vehicle. You'll find it on our website. Just click on the icon Host Website right in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. See you next week.